The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hi there. Welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Thanks so much for being here today. I'm really looking forward to today's show. Um, We're talking about story at more of a systemic level um, in terms of organizations. And it's, it's really important stuff because we're talking culture today um, as well as how to create a, a culture that generates stories and where you can uh, find stories all the time. So pretty excited about that. But first I wanted to thank my guest from last week, Dr. Amit Nagpal, who joined us from India. So Dr. Amit and I had such a great discussion about creating inspiring stories. And um, one of the takeaways for me was the recognition of differences in world cultures when we talk about inspiration. So not every culture finds the same thing inspiring. So I highly recommend you check it out, especially if you're working on a global basis. Uh, you really want to pay attention to the market that you're, or the audience that you are um, sharing your stories with. So you can check that out on the on-demand library. Um, but obviously, we don't want you to go there just yet, because today we're going to be talking about um, culture and organizations. Um, so it's also an interesting idea when we think about internal organizational culture, I'm thinking, um, because not everybody in a in an organization finds the same things inspiring. So we have different personalities. There's great diversity. So I look forward to digging into this in a bit with my guest, who is uh, Vanessa Chase Lockshin from the Storytelling Nonprofit. So we'll be talking to Vanessa in just a second. Um, but first, I wanted to let you know that we're in countdown. Well, I'm in countdown. Uh, the Story Powered Institute an online story community that I've developed as a result of this radio show is going live on Monday, October 5th. I'm excited and terrified. Uh, for those of you who've launched sites before, you'll know exactly what I'm going through, uh, which is get everything up, get everything figured out, get, get all the typos dealt with. Um, so that's what I'm doing this week, and it's, um, it's really great, though, because it's, it's, I'm hoping it'll be very valuable and helpful for you. So it'll take time to grow as well. So if you get on the site and you check it out and you kind of go, oh, you know what? She's missed so many resources. Get on the um, email to me, please because um, it's a community, and we're growing this together. So I look forward to next Tuesday when I will be launching um, the Story Powered Institute officially on this radio show. So on today's topic, I'm so looking forward to um, talking to Vanessa. Uh, Vanessa is someone who I have been admiring for a long time in terms of the blog that she um, Creates, but also um, Vanessa and I are both in Canada and um, in the have um, treaded the nonprofit sector. So I've seen her name around, 
and I have been the beneficiary and enjoyed some of her training when she um, has been training for Charity Village and, and things like that. So um, Vanessa Chase Lockshin is a nonprofit consultant, speaker, blogger. And as I said, her business is called the Storytelling Nonprofit. And I'm going to get her to tell you a little bit more about that in a sec. So Vanessa, welcome to Story Powers. Oh, thank you, Leanne. I'm glad to be here. So nice to have you. So what's your story? Tell us more about you and your business and, and why your love of story. Oh, such a big question. Um, well, I, I think my story starts probably back when I was fairly young, maybe seven or eight when I started keeping journals. Um, I've always been a big enthusiast of writing um, and exploring the concepts of personal narrative. And for about as long as I can remember, I told people I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. And nice. uh, I think it's taken a lot of different forms in my career so far, but I'm very glad to have kind of found a nice space in the nonprofit sector where I'm able to um, help people connect with philanthropic opportunities and also help people who are doing good in the world uh, do their work a little better um, by offering them some training and education around communications and also storytelling. Perfect. Now, you started in fundraising, nonprofit land, right? I did, yeah. That was uh, kind of my first foray into the nonprofit sector was working in fundraising, uh, which is really enjoyable. And I, I, I really like fundraising a lot. Um, the idea of being able to connect people who want to do good in the world to opportunities to do good through organizations was uh, very rewarding. Yeah, it is. And, mm-hmm. and tell us, in terms of fundraising, because, um, you know, it's interesting when we talk about storytelling, especially in the nonprofit sector, um, people think it's very new. But they've been doing, you know, in fundraising, you've been doing um, long-form storytelling for a very long time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of always been a part of of fundraising. I mean, you need to be able to explain uh, what you're raising money for and why and kind of making that case for support as to why somebody should support a project. And oftentimes there's narrative and things like that that um, go along with it. But I think that um, in recent years, storytelling is taking on kind of a different form and function in fundraising and uh, becoming a little bit more uh, human-focused and explicit around kind of the the emotional qualities of the stories that nonprofits are, are helping make possible with donors. Yeah, nice. And I still remember um, a while ago when we would send out, um, and some organizations were better at this than others, and, and we talk mm-hmm. a lot about demographics in, in, um, in fundraising around, you know, who, who gives and, and things like that. And I still remember um, when I used to get, and I still do to some extent, but not the same, um, you get a letter from the organization, and it was often a hospital, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and the health charities are very good at this, and they kind of give that long story of, of somebody that they have worked with and helped, uh, and or who needs help, and, um, you know, and I always think of kind of a senior with a cup of tea sitting down and reading the story, and there's a demographic of, of folks who used to get letters and like letters and, and who would do that a lot, um, yeah. and, and so, you know, and... And so the, the challenge has been for nonprofits in, in terms of moving forward in this new um, social media online presence is to shift from that to this. And again, nonprofits, just to say to everybody, you know, nonprofits are no different from businesses, right? Because business used to do this too. They used to send out, you know, really good businesses would send out these long-form kind of uh, pieces. But in terms mm-hmm. of um, nonprofits, Vanessa, I'm just wondering, like, how have we had to shift from where we were before 
in terms of getting attention for our stories and, and to now? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really great question, and I think certainly something that a lot of organizations are thinking about. Um, you know, I think there's kind of a, a myth within the question. Um, you know, certainly demographics are changing um, and, and things are shifting, but there, I think, you know, the vast majority of donors still are older. They're boomers. They are still people who read direct mail um, and who still respond to that partially because they're so used to donating through that method, and so it's kind of hard for a lot of them to transition into online giving or other forms of interacting with the charity. So while I think a lot of nonprofits are thinking about, you know, what are some of the other ways we can engage younger um, constituencies, I think at the same time they're also kind of trying to balance, you know, maintaining those relationships with people who are used to getting direct mail or other other types of fundraising or communications materials. Um, But in terms of, I think, a lot of the younger demographics, you know, I think... um, Organizations now are spending a lot of time thinking about, you know, how they can, um, you know, make the case for giving and make the case for getting involved um, with people who are younger. Although I think realizing that, you know, they kind of have to play the long game where they're not going to get somebody who's in their early 20s to give right away. It may be several years before that person is able to make their first gift. Um, so I think they're looking at a very different type of engagement ladder, which often involves um, building those relationships online through things like social media or email. And um, I think that that often uh, can kind of throw them for a loop or <laughs> just kind of yeah. create a different set of complexities in terms of relationship building and ultimately leading into a philanthropic relationship. Yeah, I agree. And, and I love your earlier point, just to go back to that for a second, which is around like you say, making assumptions about demographics and, and people, but mm-hmm. it's also about making assumptions about your audience when it comes to telling your mm-hmm. stories. And we have to be really careful with that. So I think that's a really great point. Um, and one of the things for nonprofits, and, and again, this relates to business too, but I just want, you know, in terms of nonprofits and the change, so if we're used to kind of sending a direct mail piece, we control the message. We control the story. We control how it gets to people. We have a good guess as to how it will be received. Um, It may generate a donation, it might not. But in terms of social media, it brings a whole other terrain. Um, And it's quite, you know, I know a lot of nonprofits are are quite frightened of the online space because it's exposing. So I'm wondering, you know, when you work with nonprofits around telling their stories, I mean, what kinds of things do you talk about with them in terms of, um, you know, managing their, their stories online? Yeah. Well, I think in general, and I'm sure you've probably observed this too in the nonprofit sector, um, you know, it's a sector that's largely risk averse. And so when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, trying new things and, um, you know, including new mediums and new communications channels, um, that can be kind of a scary big leap of faith for a lot of organizations to kind of transition into. And um, I think that a lot of organizations will often just think of kind of the horror stories they've heard about, uh, you yeah. know, online communication gone wrong where somebody has, right. you know, taken something they've said or something they've created and just kind of run the other direction with it and they've gotten terrible backlash, which I think in the instance of nonprofits, those examples are kind of far and few between that generally doesn't tend to happen. Um, I think because most audiences are a little more generous with nonprofits and there's a little more leeway with um with them, I think. Uh, but I think as, as organizations are kind of looking at how to tiptoe into that, 
I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, they kind of have to go slow and steady, taking it one step at a time. You know, it's not going to happen all overnight that they're suddenly going to have a massive online presence um, with a lot of engagement. It's something they have to be consistent at and they have to continue to cultivate over time. Um, but a lot of times it's just the simple act of starting that holds people back. You know, they have to start yeah. somewhere. They have to send that first tweet or create that first Facebook post and just start there. Um, so oftentimes when I'm working with nonprofits, I think that's the advice that I give is that, you know, at some point we just have to start <laughs> the, yeah. the the communication, the storytelling, it needs to begin. And even though that can be kind of a, a challenging step to start with, it's certainly a good one. And oftentimes um, organizations will find themselves gaining momentum once they've started and um, began communicating in different ways. Yeah, and it's a funny thing because um, everybody's so scared. Like you say, it's quite it's a risk averse sector, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. The social change—it always struck me as a, a weird thing. But anyway, um, yeah. but we have so many people, so many eyes. The nonprofit sector has so many eyes on them. Um, so, but the, the piece for me is around. Um, you know, it always makes me laugh because it's kind of like, oh, um, we we need to go viral, um, and then it's mm-hmm. kind of. Oh no, we don't want to go viral. <laughs> so there's this kind of like weird extreme kind of we want attention but not too much attention and we want people to like us. We want everybody to like us and and so in terms of storytelling, I think and again, you know, you probably do this sort, but I, I when I work with a province it's about well who is it exactly that you want to talk mm. to? Um, that's a really important point about storytelling, right? Because I, I feel like what happens is that we sanitize our, the stories, so then they don't reach anybody. Um, but if yeah. we were more effective in targeting, then they would reach the right people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, um, that's certainly been my experience, and I think that kind of extends into organizational branding as well. You know, there's this tendency to believe that Everyone in the whole wide world will love our organization and will we'll want to make a donation to it. Um, and I think a lot of nonprofits kind of falsely hold on to that belief um, with mm-hmm. the uh, kind of vain hope that they'll be able to find that one message or that one story or that one idea that will resonate with every single person they come into contact with. Yeah. Um, and that kind of holds them back. That holds them back from effectively communicating with the people who are closest to them already, the people who are real um, evangelists about their work and who really believe in it and who want to be a part of that and advocate for them. Um, I saw this recently with an organization I've worked with for a number of years um, who's going through a rebranding process. Uh, they're a feminist rape crisis center, and feminism has always been a big part of their values and their ideals as an organization. And uh, they, in this rebranding process at the time, were considering, you know, is this a word that's worthwhile? Is it something we should get rid of or mm. hold on to it as a part of our identity? And after, you know, much debate and conversation, you know, we kind of landed in a place of realizing that that was why so many of our donors and community members were part of the organization, because they also believed and had those same shared values with us. And so kind of getting rid of it, as you said, would really sanitize the organization of that identity and um, potentially make it more difficult for those people to connect with them. That's a great example. That's a great example. And similarly, I worked with a women's shelter um, here in Ontario, and and um, that women's shelter was also going through a, a kind of like, what is our story and how do we tell it? And it, it, a similar conversation was around, you know, in, in terms of women's issues, you're not necessarily going to draw everyone in and nor do you want to. You do want to, like you said, you want to draw in the passionate folks. And so, um, again, kind of calming down the message sometimes is, is, is the thing that, that um, it, 
puts you into oblivion. Um, and I think it's similar, like this is kind of similar for a similar conversation for entrepreneurs who similarly are kind of like, I want everybody to see me and like me and buy my stuff. And then it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I, I'm online and all these people can see me. <laughs> they might not yeah. buy my stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. a really funny thing, you know, and with storytelling, you know, it's, and, um, you know, as, as you've already said, it's, you know, there's so much power in it that if you reduce it to a place where everybody likes it, then, then like we said, we, we risk um, losing others. And, and I just want to bring us over to kind of our topic today, which is around culture. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting piece when we think about getting really clear about our audience. Um, how can we kind of get clear internally um, like, how do we bring that in? And then we'll get into it. We've got a couple of minutes to the break. So I just wanted to kind of start talking about culture. But I'm thinking about, you know, um, especially people who've been in, law, in organizations for a long time and you're going through a branding process and all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of a new story and you're wrestling with, you know, the old messages and the new. How do you, how do you work with organizations on that? Or is that something that you do? Um, it's something I think that's always been a part of the work. Um, I think any time I've worked with an organization around storytelling, I think inevitably there's conversations about their brand, their history, and their culture. I, I kind of see storytelling being at the intersection of a lot of different yeah. um, pieces in an organization's identity. And uh, I think it's always interesting because when you start having those conversations about, you know, an organization's history, you know, how, how one can best define them, I think you start to realize very quickly whether everybody's on the same page or if they have very different mm. perspectives on the work. <laughs> and, um, yes. you know, while, while I think everybody kind of brings their own unique perspective and opinions on an organization and their work, you know, it's always nice to be able to find some of those common threads that can unite everybody and bring them together and get them to rally around the cause um, in a much more unified way. Yeah, and I, I believe that story is a, a powerful way to do that. Um, mm-hmm. because, because often, you know, a directive just doesn't do it <laughs> the same way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. having that, um, yeah, having having kind of that origin story can be a very powerful thing for everybody to believe in and to buy into. Yeah, and reconnect with, especially if it's going to, you know, often when an organization is going through a brand change, it's usually going through, um, you know, a more fundamental change around, could be a change in the board of directors, could be a change in funding, um, you know, scope, or it could be, you know, just a, a kind of a timely change in its history. Um, and change is hard. So hanging on to the origin story and, and valuing it is, is, I think you're right, it's a very key piece. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So basically, um, you know, I think that we've got a lot more to dig into and we're going to take a little break, but um, after the break for everybody, just to let you know, we're going to um, really focus on culture. We're going to talk to Vanessa about why uh, or what a storytelling culture is and why is it important. We've kind of started with some of it, but we're going to dig into it a little bit more because um, there's value there. And again, not just for nonprofits, but for businesses, bigger businesses, corporations, but also for entrepreneurs because you could be creating a storytelling culture from the beginning and, um, and establishing a really cool culture. So we'll be back in just a sec and uh, we'll be talking about creating a storytelling culture.
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Are you ready to be the change you wish to be? Live with passion. On Success Inside, host Aparna will share some of the world's best ideas from today's thought leaders. You'll hear success stories from around the world. Guests include inspiring authors, world leaders, spiritual leaders, and successful entrepreneurs. It's time to live the life of your dreams. Listen for Success Inside, airing live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Everybody, welcome back. I'm Liam Pico, your host, and I am chatting today with Vanessa Chase Lockshin of the Storytelling Nonprofit. Before the break, we um, talked to Vanessa about her work in the nonprofit sector, and we talked a little bit about nonprofit organizations and and their kind of uh, place in the world, and they're shifting um, as a sector. The nonprofit sector has had to shift in terms of um, its view of storytelling and how to engage online as well as maintain, as, as Vanessa pointed out, it's, it's core donors and core stewards. Um, for, you know, for the last uh, 10 years, it's been a, a really interesting shift. And so um, one of the things that comes with a big shift, and, and uh, companies will have felt this too in terms of the recession and everything else, um, comes a change in terms of how we approach our businesses and our nonprofits. Um, within, and so now we're going to talk a lot. We're going to talk more about culture, and um, the piece for me around story is that, um, I, and Vanessa said it much more eloquently earlier than I did, than I can say here. But it, it is the thing; it's kind of the glue that holds people together in terms of culture. Whether people are purposeful about that or not, stories are being told, stories are being shared, stories are being um, thought about. And so how we can um, utilize the storytelling approach within our organizations to create more health and productivity is what we're going to talk about now. So, Vanessa, tell us, what, what is a storytelling culture in your, in your view? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's a really interesting concept. It's one I started writing and thinking about probably almost three years ago, and um, I think I, I'm still not fully sure I have a great definition of it, <laughs> but... I, I know there's lots of good examples of it out there and some bad examples as well, but I think the basis of it is when an organization is internally engaged in telling stories on a regular basis. So, in other words, the staff themselves are working to improve interpersonal relationships and organizational communication 
through the telling of stories about their own work, about themselves, or about the organization. That's a great definition. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I love that. That is we'll total engagement. <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um, but it's yeah. that's a really good differentiator um, from, I like the internal engagement, um, because that, again, um, a storytelling culture is not about um, the marketing department creating the story and then imposing it on the rest of the organization. It, it's, it's, it doesn't work like that. But, but I think sometimes we think it does. It's, we think it starts out front, and it actually doesn't. It starts within, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess in some ways it's also, you know, we could also just say a culture of storytelling is, you know, the culture of the organization. <laughs> storytelling is just yeah. one way that you kind of create and improve upon that organizational culture. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, again, yeah, you know, everybody's using them anyway. They're telling stories anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's just some interesting overlap um, between those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in terms of a storytelling culture, what, what would you see as the key elements involved? Like if we were going to be purposeful about creating a culture, utilizing storytelling um, as, a, as a kind of a tool of communication and, and engagement, like what, what key features do you think would be part of, what would you see if you looked at, at that mm-hmm. organization? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, certainly I think there's kind of a level of open and transparent communication between staff, um, which is, you know, at a very basic level, helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think with that also, though, also comes a certain level of vulnerability. You know, people are not afraid to make mistakes. Um, They're not afraid to admit to their mistakes. They're okay talking about them. Um, They're also okay talking about new ideas, new initiatives, um, and sharing things that are more personal for them. Um, that, you know, in a traditional corporate culture environment, they may not necessarily share with colleagues. But in, you know, having that kind of, I think, um, space for vulnerability at the organization, they're able to create safer relationships and also um, better dynamics to innovate and to collaborate with colleagues. Uh, I think one of the other things as well that comes to mind for me when I think about good qualities of organizations that have a strong culture of storytelling is that, um, they're all very deeply engaged with the why of the work. Um, in other words, they understand why the organization does what it does. But I think each individual staff member also has a very strong sense of their own personal why, so why they want to be there doing that work. And I think that that in particular really can drive people to be, you know, not only engaged employees, but also have a really good sense of fulfillment from the work that they're doing. It's very meaningful they come to work most days very happy to do the work they're doing, um, and they understand kind of the bigger picture of that. And I think one of the things I often see with nonprofit organizations is that people lose sight of that narrative or that story or that why because they're just very bogged down in the details of their work and they're not taking time to connect and cultivate with that. Yeah, I completely agree. love that you brought that up because... Um, you know, one of the pieces for me around um, story and, and culture is that we, um, it's important to not just think about the stories that are on, we can see on an organizational level, but there's internal stories that are going on. And I love that you brought that up, that kind of getting up in the morning and going to work and understanding why you're doing that. And again, whether you're in business or a nonprofit, it's, it's an mm-hmm. important piece. Um, but particularly for me, uh, when I was working in nonprofits, it was a really key piece 
that uh, not only made me get out of bed, you know, happy to start the day, but also carried me through the more challenging things that happened that day is, is understanding the higher purpose and what I'm helping to contribute to. And, um, and it's interesting because, you know, that's, we talk a lot about the millennials and that that's kind of what they're looking for now. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's kind of funny to me sometimes, not funny as in um, amusing, but ironic that in the nonprofit sector, we have lost that narrative when the rest of the world is now really looking for it. Um, so I, that's one of the pieces for me around nonprofits too, is, is kind of like, let's connect back to the big story and, and enable staff to, to um, not only remember it, but uh, live it. Right. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, maybe the, the other side of the coin to this is that one of the things I often see is that for organizations who are disconnected from that, they're often stuck in this really negative narrative about themselves. You know, it's about, yeah. you know, an organization that's lacking funds, that's lacking resources, that lacks volunteers or whatever that might be. And I think that that kind of um, lack of abundance mentality and narrative that they have going often really creates this kind of negative culture that, you know, they'll never be able to achieve their work or never be able to do what they set out to do because they just don't have the ability to do it or they don't have the resources to do that. You are so right. And it's one of the things that drives me most crazy is, you know, if you're yeah. going to tell a story of scarcity, you're going to have scarcity. Like, that's just mm-hmm. the way it is. You cannot elevate yourself from a place of, um, like you say, discontent and and negativity, and then expect people to contribute to the organization. And that's really key. So I'm glad you brought that up because there is a spiral there. There is a, a, and you know, sometimes it requires a big, big shift in order to get out of that spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It's, um, it's really interesting to me that, uh, I guess, in the work of storytelling and narrative that I do, that that's um, one of the things that organizations just don't think about is the story that they tell themselves about themselves. <laughs> it's yeah. such an yeah. important, you know, narrative. And I think it's, you know, highly linked to their origin and who they are, um, kind of that mythological story about them as an organization. But so often, I'm, as you said, you know, I see organizations who have a very negative narrative about themselves and about their ability to carry out the work. Um and and that is really to their detriment, unfortunately. Yeah, and it doesn't just relate to money. And this is the piece that really um, I find I always find very um, upsetting is because when you're in that negative narrative, it does affect the work, like you just said. And and it, and and in the nonprofit sector, we're working with the most vulnerable folks. And so you know, this is the importance of creating a culture of, like you said, honesty, vulnerability being able to share stories of, of success and failure or challenge mm-hmm. because we're working with people who face much more significant challenges potentially than, than those of us when we're turning up to work. And if we're kind of embracing the work with a negative attitude towards ourselves because we're upset that we don't enjoy our job um, for the organization because they don't pay us enough, they're, we're doing too much, whatever it is, and then to the client, because, well, they're just a hassle, because I've already got so much to do today, and now I have to help this unemployed person in front of me. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it resonates, yeah. like you said. I'm so glad you brought it up, because that negative narrative just flows right into everything the organization does, and then they don't end up doing the very thing they're supposed to exist to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head there. 
Yeah, yeah. So let's turn it around. So say, you know, we, we're looking at a culture in terms of, um, you know, we can see where the negativity can go, so we can also see where the positivity can go. So why do you think creating a storytelling culture is how, why is it important for the health and productivity of organizations? What does it do to kind of um, get rid of some of that negative stuff? And, like, how, do, how can we make a change? How does it help our cultures be um, productive so that we can actually deliver on the stuff that we're, we're trying to do in our, in our world? Yeah, um, well, I think that, as you said, I, it certainly helps the health and productivity of an organization. I think by helping people to focus on that bigger picture, the why, um, kind of the mythology of the organization, I think that people are able to kind of find that motivation to feel inspired and connected and ready to get to work and roll up their sleeves. And, you know, ultimately that will help fuel their productivity, their their desire to be a part of the organization and to really feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, that they're you know, making a substantial contribution to, which is, of course, great. Um, I think the other thing about it as well in terms of health is that, you know, it, it really can help develop an organization into a place that everyone wants to work and they're really excited mm. to be, you know, yeah. an employee there, which is great. Um, I think one of the ways it does that is that by improving kind of that intrapersonal communication um, and I think this is true for no matter what size business or nonprofit, is that you're really able to break down some of the internal silos that exist between departments and between people. Um, and I see this a lot in nonprofits where there's kind of this division of, you know, us and them between program staff and fundraising staff. Yes. Um, where there can yeah. often be a lot of tension that arises. Um, people are, are not willing to work together collaboratively. You know, there's a lot of... Um, can often be a lot of animosity and negativity between them. And I think that by kind of breaking that down and creating that more open culture of collaboration and communication and understanding and also appreciation of everyone, you know, everyone's able to do the work together. Um, they're able to be appreciative of other people and their contributions. And I, I think that in general creates a much better place for everyone to really flourish and, and contribute. I completely agree. And there's something about, not to go woo-woo, but there's something about the energy. <laughs> there's an energy that gets created. Yeah. And you can tell, you can tell the organizations that are just rocking it and are just like, they can't wait to get to work. And, you know, and, and those organizations often, in, like you said, in terms of the silos, you know, the fundraising and the communications people they have a good sense of what the program people are doing, so they all can work together because they've shared the stories and they understand, you know, what the service provision is. They understand, you know, who they're trying to reach in terms of their donors, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think you're absolutely right that, that that's one of the, the big pieces. And then, and then I feel like you, the organization gets rewarded in a way by an increased mm -hmm. level of um, consumer engagement, either donors or customers or clients or, um, you know, because people want to come. They want to be part of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that that's like the benefit ultimately is that when you focus on creating that positive internal, cult internal culture and focus on the storytelling at the, in the organization first, I think it kind of naturally and very organically spills out into the external world in terms of how you're communicating with constituents, with customers, with donors, whoever those groups may be. And I think you create a place where those other groups, you know, feel deeply connected to the organization and are really excited to be a part of the work. Um, you know, I think if you kind of look at some of the bigger organizations these days who have, 
you know, big followings of people who are very excited to be a donor to the organization, you know, Pencils of Promise or Charity Water, some of those larger nonprofits. You know, they're the ones who are really great at telling those, I think, good um, stories of origin that really make people excited about the work. And, you know, they have, I think, staff who reflect that very well. And ultimately, that kind of spills out into their donor bases as well. They have donors who are also extremely excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I completely agree. And and so again, um, you know, one like you said, it's the origin story, but also they're very good at the impact story. Um, and mm-hmm. so, and, you know, in terms of the, the particular donation, I love how like Charity Water they text you to tell you how you've yeah. made a difference today. Um, and so, you know, for an organization to be able to be texting people, the employees need to be really close, and especially the communications folks need to be really close to understand, you know, to the, the kind of the infrastructure of impact and understanding on a day-to-day basis the kind of impact. So you can tell that, like, if you're able to share in such a, um, uh, an organized and consistent way, you can tell that the organization knows its stuff in terms of, like you say, origin story, but also, you know, the, the individual impact stories of how you've helped this child or how you've helped this community or town or whatever. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the other things, too, is, you know, one of the biggest reasons why we see donors lapse or stop giving to organizations is because they don't understand how their gift was used, and yeah. they don't know what impact they were a part of. And so when you are able to effectively work with colleagues to articulate that impact to other people, you know, you're more likely to keep those, those donors connected to the organization and keep them giving for many years to come. Absolutely, and then they can tell others because that's the other part of the story, right? Is is that we we forget that our donors, our employees, our customers, all if they're great with stories, they're our biggest ambassadors. Um, mm-hmm. And it just it does. I'm laughing because I just think, gosh, like the amount of waste because uh, we we have potentially so many great ambassadors for for the stories we want to tell. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of opportunity there for that. Yeah. So, okay, so we're going to take a little break again, um, and uh, after the break, we'll be talking to Vanessa some more, and uh, we'll be talking about the how. So we're going to talk about how do we go about creating a storytelling culture. It all sounds fabulous, sounds wonderful, but how the heck do you do it? So um, just a reminder that you can check out um, Vanessa and her services at the storytellingnonprofit.com. I highly recommend that you sign up for her blog, again, whether you're working for a nonprofit or not. Um, you know, there's lots of, of learning there, but especially for nonprofits, and, and a lot of you will know Vanessa and her work. But um, you know, Vanessa is a key piece, a key person to talk to you about your story and about not just fundraising, but the organizational stuff. Because as, as Vanessa said, like she writes her blog is about all. So do check it out at thestorytellingnonprofit.com, and we will be back soon. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. 
It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Biz Locker Radio is a high-energy business show that features compelling conversations and cutting-edge business content that you can use to improve your performance today. Hosted by Kelly Riggs and presented by the Business Locker Room, Biz Locker Radio features dynamic thought leaders from sales, marketing, leadership, business strategy, social media, and more. If you're in business, you need an edge. Develop that edge with Biz Locker Radio. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 3 p.m. Central on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for informational purposes only. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to story powered with leanne pico if you want to find out more about leanne or the program connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com now back to story powered Hi there, welcome back. I'm Leanne Pico, and today I'm talking with Vanessa Chase Lockshin of the Storytelling Nonprofit. Before the break, we had a one of my favorite conversations, I have to tell you, as I was saying to Vanessa in the break. Um, you know, the, the spiral that becomes the negative narrative, and uh, again, it, it's particularly um, close to my heart in terms of uh, nonprofits because you know, we do good stuff, you do good stuff, and you've got so many great stories. But we get caught in this negative scarcity narrative. Um, but it's also true of businesses and entrepreneurs. So, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're struggling to get clients, it's easy to jump on that spiral that nothing's going to work, I suck at being a business person. So, you know, it's really important in terms of creating a culture of your organization, whether you're a solopreneur or whether you've got a staff of 200, um, you know, being able to adapt and bring up bring a more um, positive storytelling approach to your culture is very, very useful. So because stories are all about, you know, our interpretation, our perception. So, um, you know, we can change them. So that's what we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about how we go about creating a storytelling culture that pulls out the... Um, uh, the story, the positive stories and also the, the kind of the key pieces that Vanessa was talking about earlier, which is the kind of the better interpersonal communication and engagement. So, Vanessa, how do we go about it? How do we create a storytelling culture in our organization? I, I think probably the key is small steps. It certainly doesn't happen all at once. Um, <laughs> but I think there are a couple of key steps that organizations can look at. I mean, I think first and foremost, um, having discussions about the why and the what of the work is very important. Um, and 
I think the key distinction here and mistake that a lot of organizations will make is that they will tend to focus on having this discussion just at the board level and they'll leave out other key Mm. stakeholders like their staff. Um, So I think if you are going to embark on this and you're going to have this conversation about who are we and why do we do this work, um, and in, in an effort to really get everyone on the same page, I think it needs to be an inclusive conversation with the people who, who are there doing the work each and every day. Um, this could include some of your key donors or volunteers. I think it's, it's good to get a cross-section of perspectives and voices involved in that process. Um, and so having that kind of open dialogue and, you know, using a facilitator for this is great. Um, somebody who's not a part of your organization that can kind of help that conversation along and help you kind of look at um, creating, you know, a why statement or a mission statement that more accurately represents your organization can be a really great outcome as well. Um, I think once you've kind of identified that, you know, helping each person who's a part of the organization figure out what is their personal why and how can they bring that into their work or bring that into their involvement with the organization. So for staff members, it might be something as simple as, you know, thinking about their personal story as to why they chose to work there and finding a way to remind themselves of that, you know, on a daily basis or even weekly basis. Um, It might be something like an image or a reminder on a post-it note in their office. Having those little things around can really help keep people connected to why they're doing the work and, and keep them engaged with that. Um, from there, I think other things that can often be helpful are making time for this conversation at staff meetings. Um, one of the things I love to do with our clients is um, often at the beginning of their all-staff meetings, giving people an opportunity to come up and talk about something great that's happened to them in their work recently or a story that they've encountered that they've really loved and give people an opportunity and a space to share good things that are happening from around the organization. I think not only does this, you know, give people some new inspiration and some new reasons to be excited about the work, but it often uh, gives rise to great stories that communications or fundraising professionals can then take externally as well. Yeah, um, so, agree. And I think, yeah, and I think that having that space um, for people to share what's going on for them, again, kind of helps to foster that culture of communication. Um, and really allows people to, you know, be talking more often to hear other people's experiences that they may not hear about um, and can lead to, you know, more conversation outside of those spaces. Absolutely. And I, and I love that idea. And again, you know, it, it's that thing about creating systemic change, which is you have to make room for it then, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, again, kind of like, oh, we'll try and get to it at the end of the meeting if we have right. time. <laughs> That's that's a very different thing than pro, for, than prioritizing and and you know, quite honestly I, I again I'm similar in terms of using story in meetings like you know quite frankly most people in meetings would ditch the rest and go for the stories because they're much more interesting right. and engaging and fun to spend time on um, but I just wanted to build on what what you just talked about because one of the things that when I was working in mental health that we used to do that it's very valuable I think for any team working in any organization, is we would bring case studies of um, our stories of things that we were having trouble with. Um, Could be a client issue, could be a, um, you know, and so the the kind of, once you've created some trust and some um, healthiness in that storytelling culture, I also think that stories of failure, stories of challenge, enabling people to share those with the intention of enabling others to help 
um, you know, create a, a, a new way of doing business next time around. Those are very valuable too, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's also a really good point, Leanne. Yeah, yeah. So we, so you know, again, though, I wouldn't start there. <laughs> if you have a culture of kind of negativity or or um, mistrust, don't start with failure stories. <laughs> that's just my one tip. For no. Today. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> Um, so, Vanessa, what can leaders do? So, we were talking about employees. We are talking about making space. Um, what do you think, what's the responsibility of a leader in an organization that's trying to create a storytelling culture? Because we talk about boards, and again, mm-hmm. it's important at board level, but boards are, you know, they might be there at night when everybody else is gone or in the morning before everybody else gets there. So, to actually live it uh, is going to depend on the leader a lot. So, what can they do? Yeah, well, I I would add that it's not just the leader, but also that, you know, any staff can be a leader in this respect in terms of, kind Good point. of you know, yeah. heading up the charge to create a better culture at their organization. They don't have to be the one in charge to make all the changes, but they can certainly lead by example and, you know, help kind of shepherd people in a different direction. Um, and I think that's one thing that I often say to leaders is that they, they do need to lead by example. I think this is one of the times where, you know, you can't just send out an email and tell people how things are going to be different. <laughs> yeah. um, right. It's really important to, to walk the talk, to share, to share your stories first and foremost as a way to get people comfortable with the idea and, and to see that it's okay for you to do it and for them to do it as well. Yeah, and and again, it's it's that thing around living it, and like you say, modeling it or or um, being a good example of it. Because the the piece for me, um, it, like you said, it's like send out an email. Right, we're all going to tell stories now. Well, people don't know what <laughs> yeah. kind of stories. They don't know what the heck that means. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things for me is around leaders getting you know some, and like you say, everybody can be a leader for sure, and and it's an important piece. And and in actual fact, I think storytelling is one of the main ways that you can exert your leadership without anybody else's permission, um, which is kind of cool. It's pretty cool. Like in a meeting, you could tell a story, and you've, you're commanding the room. Um, right. But in terms of a structural leadership, and like you said, the kind of the modeling or setting an example. Um, there's there's coaching, so I, I think you do coaching, right, for right. leaders? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's, and can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's kind of new, and and there's a, you know, I talk to story coaches a lot, but for the nonprofit sector, it's kind of a new idea. Can you tell mm-hmm. us what kind of coaching and what kind of things a leader could learn about, um, and and how to improve their their leadership? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think coaching is such a valuable and really great tool, um, and I, I think it's a very different type of work, obviously, than consulting where somebody will come in and make some key recommendations and then kind of leave you to it. Um, yeah. Coaching, I think, is it's far more collaborative, and um, I think in many instances, it's a very good opportunity for kind of peer-to-peer learning um, between different people. Um, in the type of coaching that I often do, um, I'll typically work with leaders to kind of train them on how they can best lead their organizations in storytelling. Um, so we'll do things like talk about what kind of stories they can tell and practice telling those stories in some of our sessions. Um, we'll talk about what kinds of activities they can lead um, and how they can help be a coach for their own employees or volunteers in that process and how they can you know, positively encourage them and help to uh, keep the momentum going after they've done some training and um, started to kind of implement some of this at their organization. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And so that, and I just wanted to kind of re- reiterate that because as a former nonprofit leader myself, who, um, and I say this a lot, I shamelessly, shamelessly drop stories everywhere. Um, it, I can tell you the, the return on investment is huge. It's massive. And the reason why is because your funders, your donors, your, your potential volunteers, they all get it. They all understand story. And so, um, you know, for me, when I was uh, sharing stories, but also listening for stories, and that's the key piece that I would add, is that as a leader, you need mm-hmm. to listen. you got to create those moments that people can tell stories, and you got to listen to them. Because when you right. listen to them and you hear, you can identify two main things, which is one, which is the impact you're having directly on your clientele. And that's, again, that I call those my back pocket stories. I pull those out with a potential new funder or with client or, or whoever. And then the second one is stories, you know, where people are not being served. And those are key areas mm-hmm. because then you can identify needs and then you can make a really good pitch for a new, new funding or new line of donor um, of, of donations for a, a new kind of project or whatever. So um, just wanted to add those two things because as a leader, that's your father. That's where you're going to get the stuff that enables you to do your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that those are really great points, Leanne, and uh, really great tips for people who are thinking about doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, so we've got a couple minutes to close. What, what do you have? Any other final comments or any thoughts around you know uh, final thoughts around what you recommend in terms of creating a storytelling culture? Oh, um, well, I, I think the important thing is to just start and to start somewhere. Um, I know it can seem very daunting at the beginning for a lot of people who are thinking about how to bring this type of thing to their organization, but I, um, you know, highly recommend trying it. Um, sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes it can take a little while to get everybody involved and to get them on board with this initiative, but I think the efforts are well worth the results that you'll see. Nice. Thank you. So just start, and, and you won't get it perfect. You just won't. Thank you so much no. for taking the time to chat with me today, Vanessa. Oh, my pleasure, Leanne. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is a, a great joy. Fantastic. So don't forget to check out Vanessa's website at thestorytellingnonprofit.com and sign up for her blog. She's a great writer. So I love it that you, you said that you wanted to be a writer because you're, you're a fantastic writer. Um, and also check out her services. Um, you know, as a nonprofit, in nonprofit world, you know, it's, it's, it's not going away. The online, the online world is not going away and it's becoming more competitive. So, you know, check out Vanessa's work and, and um, start using Story. So next week, we will be doing things a little different here on Story Powered. I am going to be in the hot seat as a guest and my guest host will be Chris Cooper of the Business Elevation Show on the Voice America Business Channel. So Chris's show is my favorite radio show to listen to, from Story Powered, of course. Um, so if you're running a business, I highly recommend, recommend you check it out. You can find it on the, the Story Powered business channel. But Chris is going to be here to interview me about my new venture, the Story Powered Institute, the new online story community. And I'll be talking about Story Powered and what that actually means. And it connects a little bit to what we're talking about today around culture and around in, in the interconnectivity of stories. So I'm very, very pleased to have Chris um, be interviewing me. He interviewed Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul and the Success Principles as a guest on his show. So I will be in very esteemed company. Um, and I'm very, very excited to launch. So we will be launching on this show next week, 
Um, and uh, you'll get to hear more about what I've been up to, and also you get to hear more about Chris and, and his show and his uh, how he helps entrepreneurs to elevate their businesses. So, can't wait for that, and I hope you'll join us then. Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks so much for joining me, Leanne Pico, and Story Powered. I will see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.